The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with David Boyd. David's Managing Director of the ASX listed Golden Base Metals Explorer, Carawine Resources. While the team behind Carawine have deep exploration backgrounds, the company is a bit of a newbie on the ASX as it only joined the lists in December 2017 after it was spun out by Sheffield Resources. Quite rightly, Sheffield's focus had become its Tier 1 Thunderbird Mineral Sands project near Broome in WA, leaving its metals exploration assets in WA and Victoria somewhat out in the cold. Shares in Caroline were distributed in specie to Sheffield shareholders, which is the first time I've used a bit of Latin, uh, and Caroline raised $7 million at the same time. I think listeners will be impressed with this one for a company with its current modest market cap it has a lot on the go, including a drilling program that started just this week at its exciting Jamison project, or JAMO as the Carawine team call it, near Mansfield in North East Victoria. With that, I'll say good day to David and welcome him to the podcast. Hi, David, and thanks for your time today. G'day, Barry. It's good to be here. Thanks, David. Now, before jumping into what the company has on the go, David, could I get you to tell us a bit about yourself, you know, the usual stuff, where you were born and raised, your higher education? and the pathway that led you to becoming Carawine's uh, inaugural MD? Yeah, uh, love to, Barry. So, look, I'm a Perth boy, um, so West Australian, born and bred, um, one of two in the Carawine group. Uh, we've got a few Tasmanians as well. We won't hold that against them. Um, <laughs> but me, uh, UWA guy, um, did geology there um, straight out of high school, probably got my first... Uh, love of geology and rocks um, on a high school field camp, actually. Um, and then as you get into uni and start doing a bit more work our bush and uh, looking at rocks, you get right into it. So um, graduated there more than 20-odd years ago now um, and out of uni joined a graduate trainee program run by RGC, so Renison Goldfields, consolidated there up. They're no longer with us. Yeah, um, great name from the past. Yeah, and one of those fantastic opportunities for young geos at the time where I spent the first two years of my career at different sites in different places of Australia. So I did um, some underground tin mining um, on the west coast at Tassie. I did some base metals exploration over there, uh, gold exploration and mining in the NT and some regional gold exploration in WA. So it was a great um, a great grounding. And I think at the end of those two years, um, decided well and truly that um, the place I belonged was in exploration, um, as opposed to mining geology. Um, it just seemed to, uh, to excite me a bit more um, and sort of went on from there, from the early days. Right. Now, um, tell me, how are you enjoying uh, the listed life as an MD? Or do you still yearn yeah. to be back out in the field kicking rocks? 
it's always I'm always happiest at bush. That's for sure. Um, and you know, as a as an exploration geo, that's um, uh, I think that's right and appropriate. Um, and but the MD um, role is you know a, a new challenge for me, and it's a it's a good challenge. You uh, you meet a different side of the um, industry. I've worked for majors, so I'd, um, uh, from RGC, I ended up um, with Placidome and Barrick. Um, so I have worked for the big guys. I know that's like, and that's um, that, that has its um, its advantages, its challenges as well. Um, I moved into mid tiers. I did a stint as um, consolidated minerals geology manager for a while, and then joined Sheffield as their exploration manager. So I sort of went from majors to mids to juniors, um, all as you know in the exploration roles. And then when you become MD. Um, you see another side of the industry you're a little bit sheltered from as a, as an explorer, and that's the yeah. you know it's the finance side. It's talking to investors. It's um, uh, conveying your message. It's um, telling people uh, what's different about your company and, and why you think they're a great investment. Um, so you manage that at the same time as um, as thinking how to spend that hard won money, you know, and um, how to spend it the best way. To make a return for those investors, and that's um, that's uh, I was exposed to that in Sheffield. But until you take the reins, you know, and run it yourself, you uh, you never uh, quite um, uh, quite understand it as well. So that's been challenging, exciting, um, enjoyable. Sure, you know, you get to um, uh, meet a heap of uh, diverse and interesting group. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot to talk about uh, project-wise, so better allow uh, plenty of time for that. Let's start with uh, Jamison or Jamo. What's the uh, the background to the project? Um, how does it differ from the excitement uh, around the high-grade gold search in central Victoria? And I guess, you know, where is it at now? What's the aim of the current drilling program? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jamo, uh, you're right. It's... Um, uh, Brought to us by a couple of Melbourne geos um, and saw the potential from, you know, early shallow holes drilled late 90s um, by a company's New Holland and Gold Search. And um, they found really great grades at a place called Hill 800, um, which is on a hill 800 metres above sea level. They're, um, they're good on their prospect naming. You knew where you were. So Hill 800, um, uh, we started off thinking... As a VMS type system, so volcanogenic massive sulphide. It's definitely volcanic hosted. Um, we've done 19 diamond holes there um, ourselves to add to the 50 odd RC holes that the previous explorers had, had drilled. So, diamond gives you a lot more information, of course. You've got the core, um, you see a lot more structural info, a lot more um, textual information. And look, over the period, then we've um, uh, changed our thinking on that. and. Uh, from a standard VMS-type deposit. There's nothing wrong with those. Um, but we're now seeing pretty good evidence that this thing's been driven by a deep porphyry system, and that's what's exciting for us. Um, we had uh, some geochemical analysis done by a guy called Dr Scott Halley, who people in the industry will know. Scott's um, well-known for his, um, his ability to um, uh, understand... Uh, mineral deposit types from geochemistry and that's um, and we got Scott involved and he straight away said you guys want to a porphyry not a uh, 
lot of VMS systems. So that has opened up for us. We, we always thought Hill 800 was good, right? So it's um, it's a near surface. Um, it's got some fantastic grades. You've got intervals 90-odd metres going above three grams from our drilling program. Uh, you know, others um, 42 going above four grams. So really good numbers and really intense auditation system, which excited us. Um, and the first part of our drilling program that we started this week um, is to test for the depth extension. So we've drilled to about 150 metres below surface at Hill 800. Um, the mineralisation starts at surface. It's actually found from a gossan that sticks out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great, a great story for discovery. And we're now um, testing that below depth. So current drilling to about 150, we're going about 80 metres below that. Um, so we'll hit it around 230, 240 below surface, trying to um, see how far it extends at depth. We're also seeing the gold and the copper grades extend at depth. So that's that's what we like about Hill 800. That's exciting in itself. But mm. then this um, porphyry story, when we put that together with what we're seeing in the regional um, geophysical data, um, and the fact that Hill 800 the chemistry says and the textures say that that mineralisation was born out of a porphyry system. So we're now testing uh, or looking to test, I should say, a number of uh, deep anomalies or in some shallow anomalies around Hill 800, which may be the actual porphyry stock. So that's um, that's the that's the real excitement, if you like. Hill 800 is good, um, and we're advancing that. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, game changers, company makers, um, mm. call them what you will, there's many sort of terms for them. Um, if we can latch onto a, a mineralised porphyry, you know, um, uh, like Cadia, um, you know, those sorts of things, then we're away. Uh, so that's what we're, we're very excited about with the upcoming program. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, all investors are well aware of uh, what's gone on at uh, Alcane with its boat of discovery up in uh, New South Wales and yes, even yep. uh, Staveley down here in uh, Western Victoria. Um, uh, big game, game change, changes for them, albeit uh, more drilling required to confirm the significance of the discoveries. What is it about the part of Victoria that you're, you're in that's very different to that central Victorian gold, high-grade gold push? We're talking about the different rocks, are we? Yeah, different rocks, different mineralisation style. So, um, look, uh, in my past, I did a fair bit of exploration around Kalgoorlie. One of the styles we chased there were, you know, similar to the central Victorian goldfields, Fosterville, you know, Bendigo, Ballarat, where you get structures um, with very, you know, um, high grades over narrow widths. So, you know, you might have... The structure might be a metre wide, it might be going an ounce or two ounces gold. Um, and nothing wrong with those days. I make people plenty of money. Where we are, the style's different. So we're um, hosted in Cambrian Age Volcanics. So the rocks are in the 600 million year old um, range. Um, and the style of mineralisation is not so much narrow, um, high-grade gold, it's wider, um, slightly lower grades, but still good grades, you know, four to five grams. Um, and they come with other metals, so you can get copper, um, which is what we're chasing, copper gold, um, coming off copper gold porphyries. Um, and so it's a different style. So we're unlikely to get where we are. The um, 
very narrow high-grade vein type deposits, which are seen more wider things. Um, so potentially more tons. Um, uh, the drill holes, a little bit less hit and miss. So they're incredibly nuggety or variable, the grades you get in the um, mm -hmm. Victorian, central Victorian gold fields, which I see more wider, more consistent grade. Um, and it's not that either um, uh, better or worse targets. It's just um, that's what we've got on our ground, so that's what we're chasing. Mm. Now, is there already a, an existing resource estimate for Hill 800? We don't have one for Hill 800 yet. We'll, um, we're now aiming to do that once we finish this second round of drilling. So we've put 19 holes in, um, some close to the surface. We're now getting a bit deeper down where we're seeing the grade improve and so for us we looked at that and thought let's um let's do some more holes let's um uh, essentially try and find the limits of the system and then come back in and um, give people a, a resource number yeah, based on that so mm -hmm. yep uh, now as you know the market can be impatient for results uh, what are what's the likely timing on first results from a jammo we're looking at late January, early Feb, so um, early Q1 is our guidance. Um, uh, so we're drilling now. We'll get you know at least a couple of holes in before Christmas start again after the new year, um, and just in you know each hole will take ten to twelve days to drill, uh, a few days to um, log, process, cut the core off to the lab. Um, so we'll get the first two, hole, two holes into the lab by the end of the year, which gives us results, uh, first results late January, early Feb. Um, so that'll be an exciting time for us as we yeah. um, bring those results out. Absolutely. Okay. Now switching focus over to uh, the Patterson. Uh, now the company was ahead of the pack in the Patterson in that you picked up prospective ground well ahead of Rio Tinto finally confirming in early two thousand. In 18, I think it was, that it had made a uh, significant copper gold discovery at Winu to the north of uh, Newcrest's Telfer gold copper mine. Since all that, Carawine has uh, signed up Rio Tinto and Twiggy Forest's Fortescue to farm into some of the properties for a combined potential ex exploration spend of $11.5 while keeping some of the ground to itself. What was the strategy behind the farm-out deals and when might investors see some action in terms of a turning drill bit at either the new joint ventures or the 100% owned ground? So the strategy was about getting some major explorers um, clearly technically competent and the ones who had the keys to unlock the secrets of the Patterson up there, get them essentially spending their money um, on our tenements that we'd worked up to a point with some excellent targets and to the point where especially with the Batten tenements, which are the ones that we JV with Rio, that's where we've been most active up until the point of joint venturing mm -hmm. them. Um, we'd done some work and we'd generated over 20 um, targets from previous exploration work and our own um, geophysical work. And we looked and said, look, there's um, a lot of targets here. Um, there could be the first one might be the one that comes off. It could be target number twelve, could be target number six. We don't know. You need to go through all of them to mm. to find out. Um, 
and on our own as a junior um, with um, a market cap of 15 and a bit over 3 mil in the bank, we thought, well, um, we can do a little bit on a couple of the targets um, in terms of scratch their surface essentially, but we couldn't do a systematic and full test and really unlock the potential of those tenants on our own. And we had the Jamison story coming out then too with the exciting porphyry targets that, um, um, as I mentioned, we'll get to drilling um, from early next year. Um, so we had our Jamison porphyry targets and Rio and FMG or Fortescue both approached us. So we didn't actively go out and seek um, JV partners. They came to us. They clearly had an interest in the ground mm-hmm. um, and said, well, let's, um, let's partner and um, we'll do the work here. Um, you can concentrate on Jamison. And we get a pretty healthy um, interest retained in anything discovered. So we saw that as the best way to advance those tenements. Um, and at about the same time, we'd won uh, some ballots, so we'd gained some more tenements in our own right, mm-hmm. um, which haven't been uh, partnered out. So it still gives us um, some ground in a very exciting region. Um, and we'll look to do the same um, process there. We'll evaluate those. Um, if there's potential, we'll generate some of our own targets. And then if they're compelling and if there's a small number of them, then we'll have a crack ourselves. Um, if it makes sense, we'll, um, we'll, we'll try and deal them out. So I, I think it's a, a pretty good strategy that's been reasonably well received in the market. You know, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and the choice of partners is a good one too. You know that if Rio or Fortescue find something, then you're on a path to development because um, those groups um, can fund any find through the development you know, from their balance sheet generally. So um, you're sort of, you're, you're on a, you can see a way to building a mine and that's quite exciting for us, especially in the Patterson where, um, you know, it's elephant country. Um, if what there is to be found there, it will be, it'll be big. Um, and also it'll need big development. Mm. Yeah, the company's in interesting space because it, I think it could well be argued that the Patterson um, joint ventures and the 100% owned ground uh, more than justifies the $15 million market cap, as does Jamison. So uh, how do we explain that? Is there a, this pregnant pause until some expiration results come through for the re-rating? Um, yeah, I like to... Um, well, we're certainly prime for growth, I think is a, a, a term we like to use. We've got 77 million shares on issue. So we're, you know, we're young, so we're, we're still quite um, tight in the register. Um, you're right, we've got great exposure. We've got majors exploring their ground in WA, um, Rio, Fortescue, and um, not to forget Independence Group are, um, are exploring our tenements in the Fraser range. So we've got, Partners here taking care of our WA ground. We've got our own work to do at Jamison that we're, we're nicely funded for. Um, and so I think um, what will make a difference is always um, with the drill rig and that's a discovery. So we're always um, very cognizant of the fact that, um, you know, we can um, promote the company and we do that. Um, we can tell people we're great value and we do that. Um, but nothing makes a difference like um, 
drilling a hole um, and making a discovery. And that's our focus. And that's where we uh, certainly uh, are very focused on using our funds um, to do as much of that as we can. So the more holes we drill, the more chance we're going to get to find something. And we reckon that's what will make the difference. Um, and with such a tightly, um, a small, tightly held register, it doesn't take much um, much volume to shift our dial um, up or down, but um, we're hoping for the up. Mm. David, you've uh, outlined a, an exciting package of uh, exploration interests there with uh, drilling underway at uh, JAMO and uh, what might come of the Patterson and not forgetting independence in the Fraser Range. So best of luck with it all and thanks for your time today. Uh, pleasure, Barry. Thanks for listening.